fact, if you are sending so many emails and they're all starting with, sorry for the delay. Ooh, I think that just hurts some people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone listening. (laughs) If you, if this is your week um, of sorry for the delay, but it it usually just means that you're trying to do too much. You're trying to do too much. And there are probably some things that you could easily adjust and give to someone else in order to free you up to do the things that are, that are most important to you for you to do. Welcome to One Next Step the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm Lisa Zeveld, better known as LZ. Today, I'm jumpstarting a two-part masterclass episode on delegation. In this first episode, I'm speaking with none other than Amy Appleton, and together we're going to break down the basics of delegation and talk about how you can know when it's time to start delegating. So many leaders struggle with making that first initial transition. So we're going to dig into delegating and how you can know when you're ready. Exactly. All right. So let's get started. Let's talk a little bit about what delegation is and why it matters. You know, like what are some of the typical warning signs or issues indicating leaders should start delegating? They're probably things that they don't even want to acknowledge. Amy, I know they're probably sitting right there going, no. So help them know when the right time is. Absolutely. So delegation is actually according to Webster, the act of empowering to act for another. So that's the act. That's really confusing, isn't it? The act of empowering to act for another. But basically, I know that's kind of deep. That's deeper than I thought it was going (laughs) to. So deep, so deep. (laughs) I I don't know. Did I have enough caffeine yet today? Did I digest that? (laughs) It is. um, It's a leadership skill. In its simplest terms, it's going to allow you to multiply your efforts and your results as a leader. Mm. And then the other thing that it does is it actually allows you to help develop and empower other people when you can delegate um, well and effectively. Yeah. So I think some of those warning signs, you know, jumping right into those, because you're right, I think people are immediately like, they either know Mm -hmm. or they're... (laughs) Or um, some of these may resonate as we go through them on those warning signs. You're working on tiny tasks. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so true. And I like how you said that it multiplies your capacity, I think is, is what you said about delegation. And I think about how when we're working on tiny tasks, how that does not make us very efficient. And it certainly doesn't make us better leaders. And so I think about multiplying my capacity in all of the tiny things that have a big impact, right? So I want to clarify, tiny things don't mean a tiny impact. A lot of the tiny things we do have a big impact. It's just not the best use of our time for us to do those tiny... One thing that comes up, expense reporting. That may seem like a tiny thing, but let me tell you, my assistant Kate does my expense reporting for me. It's a tinier task, but it has a huge impact on the business. And tiny doesn't necessarily mean it's a short amount of time. Like your example of expense reports, I don't know about you, but I know that's like a number one thing when we talk to people who are looking to delegate. They are very, very excited to delegate that because they're time consuming. They're meticulous. 
they're Mm -hmm. detailed. You have to get it right. If you don't get it right, it gets kicked back to you. And again, when you talk about multiplying your efforts, it seems like a small task, but sometimes it turns into a much bigger ordeal um, and time that you actually don't need to be spent going back and forth if someone else can do that for you. I think that goes into the next one, which is the tedious task. So sometimes the ti- it's tiny and tedious. Ooh, the, the double T's, you know? <laughs> and an expense report would be that tedious thing. It might be a tiny task, but it's very tedious. And so it's not the best, again, not the best use of your time when you could be maybe um, you're still involved in the sales component of your business. And maybe you need to be out there networking and not behind the computer for two to three hours working on that expense report. Yeah. Another great example with that is really any kind of polling reporting, Um, especially if you're the type of person that enjoys pulling the reports. Um, That is, can be, it can be tedious. It can be a meticulous, by the time you're putting things, if you love to be in Excel spreadsheets, but that's not actually what drives your business or actually shouldn't be what you're doing as a leader, that's another great example of something where that is actually something that someone else could be doing for you. Right. Yes. And for those of us who do like Excel spreadsheets, I think this is a great opportunity to delegate maybe the other thing that you don't like to do. So maybe like for me, I might find it really fun to pull a report and to dive into it. But that just means that I have to delegate something else. You know, I can't do it all, you know. And so I I do believe that there's a gifting, right? You have a gift in a particular area of your business. um, And maybe you don't want to give that away. But definitely you have to. So there's something else tedious that you're doing that you don't like. And it could be. It could be a time-consuming task. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the next one for the time-consuming tasks is research is a great example of a time-consuming task. And what if you could get 80% of the way there by actually having someone else do it, and then it comes back to you for the most important 20% of making decisions or doing the final Um, analysis based on the research, but research is another one, which can be, um, it just, it does, it takes, it takes time. Yeah, I I love that example too, of share 80% of the research. I think that's just a good quantifiable metric or mark that you can really look at a a task or a project and think through, like, can I delegate 80% of that? I I love that you're using things that are very measurable for us to think through our list of tasks and what we can delegate. What what might be next? Um, It is actually working on easily teachable tasks. I'd be in the bucket of things that you, you love to do, but you could easily explain, or if you have technology that allows you to, uh, we use Loom here, and Loom yeah. is a great, you can actually screen record with your voice and show people and actually mm-hmm. teach them how to do something else. If it's a simple process or something that has, you know, five, six, seven steps that is then repeatable, that is another great example of something. If you find yourself doing those over and over mm-hmm. again, Um, That's a great example of something that you could easily delegate. 
Yeah. And I like teachable tasks. And I, I think that there's probably a lot of leaders that fall in this bucket. Um, we're leaders because we like watching other people grow. We like kind of coming alongside them in some form or fashion in some sort of like mentor role. And so I see these teachable tasks as really filling kind of that void of, of being that teacher and that mentor because you may feel like, oh, I don't know if I really want to delegate it, but put it in perspective of that you're going to help a team member learn a task that they didn't know before. And you're helping them grow in their professional development. So I would would always say if you're kind of having a hard time thinking about things to delegate those teachable tasks to me are really easy ones to do because it feels good to teach somebody a new skill it does and it goes back to what we talked about it's it is empowering other people yeah mm -hmm. to developing and learning and growing your team around you and that truly will multiply itself over and over and over again um one that i have um, that is a warning sign. I don't know about you, but this is, I'll be honest, this is a me one. I'm the bottleneck. Ooh. I'm the bottleneck. I know it. Right. They're waiting on me. Yeah. Waiting on yeah. me to do something that I don't actually have to be the one who's doing it. Sure. And yeah. That does not feel good. I, you know, maybe it's just, I'm the only person that does that, but that feels terrible. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. No, I no. know there is a group of people that is waiting. That's a huge warning sign for me. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Amy. That's one of those things that I look at my task list and I think, ooh, there's some things on here that I know. Well, and Amy, you and I work together all the time. And so it could be, oh gosh, I know Amy's waiting for me and there's 20 other things ahead of this. What th and I know what you're asking me to take a look at, I can only do. You know, that, that's my expertise. And so there's gotta be some things on my task list, my to-do list that my assistant can do or that other team members can, can do. And so I do, that's a good warning sign. Yeah, I like that. The task that you're terrible at. <laughs> and sometimes this one I think is a little hard because if you don't have the right kind of emotional intelligence, you actually might not know that you're terrible at it <laughs> and that there might be a better team member to do this. And so lean into um, if you're actually within an organization and you're a leader and you have a leader above you, lean into them too. Um, when it comes to delegation, I think that I know that what we do um, coaching for performance, which is basically, you know, an opportunity for us to evaluate all of our team members. And that's a great time to kind of look at your leader. And if I mean, shoot, if you're the owner, um, it's great to ask your team if there's something that you're terrible at that you shouldn't do. Um, like have a piece of humble pie and say, listen, I'm trying to learn how to delegate better. Is there something, is there a blind spot that I don't realize and that I'm really terrible at and maybe somebody else should do it. And you might be surprised. It might be actually a relief for you to delegate it because the whole time you think that you are the only one that should do it and you don't realize you're terrible at it and you hate it. That's right. Or what if <laughs> they're secretly, they are redoing stuff. Oh, oh my gosh. What if, yes. they are, what if your blind spot is that they are actually fixing it on your oh behalf gosh, and, yes. not, and not telling you? Like you could actually be saving people yeah. time by maybe giving something <laughs> up that that you yeah. that you're actually terrible at. Yeah, yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, I have an, another one, which is if you are sending so many emails and they're all starting with "sorry for the delay." Oh, sorry for the delay. Yeah. So I mean, I think that just hurts some people. 
hearing that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone listening. <laughs> if you if this is your week um, of sorry for the delay, but it, it usually yeah. just means that, that you're trying to do too much. You're trying to do too yeah. much, and there are probably some things that um, you could you could easily adjust and give to someone else in order to free you up to do the things that are that are most important to you for you to do. Well, I heard there's a little thing called the 70% rule. Do you want to share that with our listeners? Yeah. So the 70% rule is if someone can do the function, the job, the task, 70% as well as you can, uh, you should probably delegate it. And, and I think that is a great rule of thumb and know that people can improve too. I mean, we're just talking about the first time of, feeling like you could hand it off to someone um, because we, I know we hurt some people when we said 70%. We yeah. It's because we really, we hurt, we hurt some people. <laughs> They're like, wait a um, second, I'll keep doing it then. 70%, yeah, no, 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 70% is not acceptable. Not good enough, right? <laughs> yeah. And so just know that we, when we're talking about that, what we're talking about is that is an opportunity for you to teach someone else how to do it yeah. and note that that 70% will get, will get better. And that's, just part of learning to delegate really well. Uh, but yes, they can start out by doing it 70% as well as you can. That is something that you should absolutely look into delegating to somebody else. Those are also good. I feel like, um, to your point, we've probably hurt some feelings today. We have some people that are um, that know this, right? Like, I feel like it's hard to miss out on all of these warning signs. Like, I feel like everybody deep down knows they should delegate. I, yeah. I really do. I'm, I'm going to really put my my stock behind the leaders that are listening. I really do think they want to delegate, but there's something that is holding them back from doing it. And so we're a family here and we're okay to get transparent and vulnerable. And so since we've already hurt some feelings, let's just go a little deeper. Plenty for, for those of you who are listening, for you to talk to your counselor or your coach about later on. Um, but Amy, let's share some reasons why people might be resistant to delegate. I, I think one of them is, is the uh, what we call the superhero belief, which mm. is really, I can do it all. I'm fine. Yeah, I, can, I actually can do everything. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people who are high achievers and high performers, their capacity actually, it is really high. And, and so mm -hmm. it, it then becomes, you find a lot of your self um, value in the amount that you can handle and the amount that you can do. Um, and that's kind of what I mean by these, this superhero ideology is that, um, no, I really can. I can handle it all. Yeah. feel like this takes me back to, I don't know, uh, six, seven years ago in my journey, my leadership journey. Um, you know, here at Belay, we were a young startup. Everything was brand new. Um, everything still is brand new. I don't know why I'm kidding <laughs> myself. Um, but high capacity leader. And I kept saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I see it with 
new leaders here. Mm -hmm. It's like you want to prove that you should be in the position that you're in, that um, maybe your business, you want to prove that you can have a successful business. Maybe you were in corporate world before, and so you're trying to prove something to yourself, or maybe you've inherited a family business. And so I really do feel that sometimes it can almost be um, a martyrdom as well. Like, oh, right. I can do all this. And so it's the superhero martyrdom. It's like, we have to be willing to say that even though we're high capacity and we can do it, number one, complaining about how much you're doing, it isn't helping anybody. No, um, no. You know, I mean, then just delegate it to some. If you're complaining about how much you're working, delegate it to somebody else. And the whole I'm fine, are you really fine? Would your family say you're fine? Would your right. coworkers say you're fine? You may think you're fine, but really take a look. And again, lean into your peers and ask others for their opinion of where you are. Because I will say that our leadership team has called me out on several occasions when I said I'm fine, but y'all knew I wasn't fine. Right. Right. And I think <laughs> and that's, that's a great a point that the, the people around you, they can see it before maybe you can. So I think that is yeah. a great um, piece of advice there. Again, if you have trusted people that you work with to, to ask them. Yeah. Hopefully they'll be able to just tell you very honestly. That, right. No, I mean, in this season, you're not. So how can and people want to help? Right. They do want to help. And I, and I think you touched on another point, and that is a lot of us or people get used to being the go-to person. Yeah. I, you know, it's nice to be the go-to person. It's, it's nice right. to be the, the, the doer of all of the things. And that is another reason I think that people can be hesitant and to mm -hmm. start delegating is because that means that you are not the go-to person anymore. Yeah. Or someone else has more knowledge than you do, which is actually a gift to you right. both yourself and your organization is if you have someone who is actually better at it than you. Yes, yes. I think as leaders, we all crave more time and more freedom, but we're also scared of the time and the freedom. And what that brings, like, I think that we get addicted to the busyness. Right. And so right. when you have a team member who you think could handle 70% of that task, and then you sort of start imagining, well, what if I don't do that task? Um, maybe you might get that hour back to read a trade magazine or to make a network connection. But at first, that feels a little scary because you're, you're used to running that thousand miles per hour. And I think that's, uh, that is what we've heard, like you said, from our, the developing leaders. Even myself, mm -hmm. I still struggle with that, you know. Mm -hmm seven years into this of still wanting to be the one that can do it. Um, even when I know that I shouldn't be the one to do it, there is a tiny bit of pain that is still there because <laughs> you really do, you know, you do, that doesn't go away. You really, you really yeah. do want to be able to do still. Yep. And then it becomes a discipline. And then it becomes a discipline in order to find the people around you that you can empower to do those things. I think that it also has to do with an, a, something that I hear a lot is, well, I can do it faster. People sometimes sure. are resistant. I don't have time to tell someone else how yeah. to do it. And, actually, and, and so, you know what, I can just do it 
I can do it faster. Yeah, I, I can definitely, I just think of my friend network of uh, business owners. Um, that's really difficult for them because they are moving so fast that they don't want to take, maybe the task might take two or three hours to show them and follow up. They're like, ah, I just can do it in that two to three hours. What they don't recognize is that it's a repeatable task. And so it's not just that two or three hours today that it's going to take you to show that it to them, but that multiplies itself. And so you don't ever have to reinvest that time again. But when you're in the thick of it, I think it's hard to view it that way. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree. The other piece of it is sometimes it just feels good to do the things that you get to cross off your list. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're easy. I know a lot of our, you know, clients and business leaders, and I know, you know, even you and being around you quite a bit here, most of the things that you're doing do not just take one day or one hour to do. Right. Thinking about complex things. You're thinking about yeah. things that are going to take six months, 18 months, two years to do. And so that reward of having like small things that you get to accomplish in a, in a day can go away. And so I think that's another reason that, that people get reluctant to delegate just because mm-hmm. it actually just feels good. You're, you're dealing with long-term things all the time. Yeah. I do have a good suggestion for that because that was one of the areas that, um, that I have learned over the last 10 years. And that's to have hobbies or things that you do in your personal time that you can get immediate gratification. I love to garden. So I can go out and it may be cleaning up leaves or it may be planting bulbs, but I get to check that off my list. I still like to, I have a lot of errand services that I can use, um, shipped or, you know, whatever you you might use to run those. But there's times on the weekend where I just really want to run to Target and get the things because it feels good to say that I actually accomplished a task. And so I would say that intrinsically, if you need that to fill your cup, don't let that that keep you from delegating in your professional life because there's so much more at stake there that find ways to get that gratification in your personal life. And that's really helped me. Um, I mean, sometimes I just fold laundry. Hear me. Not very often, guys, not very often, but occasionally I'll be like, let me just fold laundry Um, because then it's one thing, especially the busier I am at work and and the larger those projects are, the things that I can do in the moment mean a lot to me. So... Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, with absolutely. I still clean my own house. And I truly believe that's why. Because it is yeah. something I get to see from start to finish. And I get to see the progress. And it yeah. doesn't really take that long to do. No. So, but yeah. you're right to find those areas in your personal mm-hmm. life where you can you can still get that your cup filled yeah. right there. Um, are there any areas or when maybe maybe it's not an area, but when should a leader not delegate? <laughs> Because we just told them all the reasons they should. We did. I have a feeling there's probably an area or two when they shouldn't. One that kind of came to mind for me was you can't explain the outcome, desired result of what it is that you're going to delegate. You don't delegate that. I think a lot of delegation is about having the skill set to explain the why, have clarity around what it is that you're asking. So that if you can't, clearly define what the end result is that you're looking for, mm-hmm. it's not ready to be delegated yet. Yeah. Um, the other one would be when we're talking about empowering people, don't set someone up for someone where, where they're not at that point yet. Don't ask too much of 
someone Mm -hmm. because it's not truly in their gifting and you know it. What were some of yours that you were thinking about? Yeah, I think that you need to hold off delegating if you truly can't delegate it. There's nothing that is more disheartening than having a leader who delegates a task to only jump back in it. So you have to be willing to delegate 100%, even if that person only can do 70% of it or, or, you know, like you still have to delegate 100% of the task because it will suck the wind out of somebody's sails if you are constantly going back in and checking up on them, um, looking over their shoulder as they're doing the task. So that to me, that's a trust thing. If you mm-hmm. really can't trust the person that you're delegating the task to, then you're not ready to delegate it. And it may be that you're not ready, or maybe the person that you're looking at delegating that task to is not ready for it. But that's just a recipe for disaster. So don't, don't do it if you can't do it 100%. That is fantastic advice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or if you're not, if you're not ready to give up the control of it, I would say if there is something that is so meticulous and you must have it done a very particular way and you can't just delegate the end result and let them run in the middle, um, that Mm -hmm. might be one that you might want to consider holding on to a little longer. Yeah. Just because again, that's going to be hard if it every meticulous piece needs to be done a certain a certain way to your satisfaction. It actually has nothing right. to do with the result of it. Like the result right. could be the same. So I'm not talking about something that has a rule or a regulation or something. Um, sure. I'm literally talking about um, you're so tied up and so invested in a particular way that it's done. Um, mm-hmm. That might be something that you hold off and wait to delegate yeah. to another time. Sure. Yeah. It's delegating the result. You need to be able to delegate the result of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure in marketing, that's really hard for people to do, Amy, (laughs) especially on the creative side. (laughs) There's a lot of opinions. Poor Amy. She comes to her, she comes to our leadership (laughs) meeting and she always knows she's going to get a lot of opinions about creative. (laughs) That is very, very true. That is very true. So that, yes, that becomes an iterative process over and over again but but you're right yeah. I mean I mean it's okay if it comes back and there's a yeah change because of something, someone it it has more to do with to your point the person who's delegating don't take it back don't take that monkey back like give, right. make sure that that other person you allow them to finish, finish right what it is exactly. that you delegated to them well, what can leaders do to develop the trust and clarity communication necessary to delegate more effectively? Is there maybe some tips that we can give them? Yeah, I feel like we've we've loaded them with so much. Um, I know I would, they're I heavy know. right now. Their backpack is full. <laughs> <laughs> um, start small, and I think I mentioned it at the beginning. If you are really now just getting comfortable with delegating, I would say start small and go with those two things we mentioned. Start with something that you doing, and someone else could do seventy percent as you. If that's where you are in this journey, then then I would say start small. I would also say use that check in method, mm-hmm. huge. Which is you don't have to wait till the end to see how they did. Right. Set in check in points to follow up and ask, let them ask questions, and you have a chance to review it. I, I think that's another great tip to develop that trust 
Um, so we talked about sometimes it's hard to give away things that you love, that you, even when you enjoy doing them, I think, um, explain the why. Yeah, that's good. And the end result. Like it does, like, why are they doing it? Why is it important? Where does it matter somewhere else? Um, and then what does the end result look like? Mm-hmm. I actually was delegating something this week somewhere in between and it was um, data that I wanted. I wanted someone to pull a bunch of data for me. And I realized at one point I hadn't actually told her how I wanted the data in the end. Like what was I expecting? Did I want it in a sheet? Did I want it in a graph? Did I want it in a, like, yeah, I realized like, Oh, I need to give them the end result of what this looks like. Just not the, Hey, can you pull all this information? But and this is what I would like for it to look like. Yeah, I love that. One thing I would add is a feedback loop. I think that is a great way to kind of circle back. I think it's easy for us to think of as the delegator that we are going to give feedback to the person we delegated to, which is extremely important. You need to be able to give feedback. Don't just take subpar work and go, oh, they didn't do it right, forget it, and then move on. Everybody wants to know how they're doing if they needed to improve. But I think that works for us as delegators. I think it's a really good muscle to strengthen to say, hey, did I delegate that okay? Could I have done it any differently? It doesn't put you in a weird posture that you're not um, strong enough or talented enough or leader-like enough. Um, What it does is it puts you in a posture of being humble and that you are willing to learn how you can really set them up for success in the future. And so I always just like to say, ask for feedback so that next time it becomes a lot easier and that trust continues to grow and grow and grow. So that's great advice. All right. Yeah. Amy, we've talked a lot today, but I know that we have more. And uh, I think we got to kind of close this episode, but maybe we could offer some bonus episode information. What are that? What do you think? Sounds good? I think so. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, I need you to stick around for our bonus question where Amy and I will talk about how to navigate upward or reverse delegation. Yep, you heard that right. That's when someone tries to delegate their responsibilities to you. Uh Uh-oh, hey, you don't want to miss this. To hear that clip, subscribe to our email list and we'll send you a link to our bonus content. Or you can visit onenextsteppodcast.com where you can find a link in our show notes. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The One Next Step. Be sure to join us next week for more practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. Start by making today count. Don't miss next week's special episode, part two on delegation. I'll be joined by Matt Seaton, the VP of Operations at Belay, to talk about the nuts and bolts of delegation, how to get started, how to do it remotely, how much to delegate, and so much more. It's going to be a fabulous discussion. Here's a quick preview. For me, coming into a new organization like Belay, my venture into delegation was building trust. Um, Mm. Really spending time getting to know those people that I was working with, my peers, those working for me, really trying to find those areas that motivate them, that drives them, you know, those those next level leader potentials. You know, I I really did want to find folks that I could, you know, pour some of, you know, my knowledge and expertise into and really trust them to, to make some of those decisions. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. 
be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.